Hi, I'm Carol Pope, and you're listening to The Stewie Tunes Show with Tony Stewart and Aaron Badgley. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 4 of The Stewie Tunes Show. Today, we're joined from Nashville, Tennessee by our guest co-host, guitarist, singer, and songwriter, Trevor Finley. Trevor was already established in the Ottawa music scene when he made the decision to move down to Nashville permanently in 2008. He has since built a successful career as a live performer, both in Nashville and on tour, and as a studio musician. Few cities rely more on the live music scene than Nashville, and Trevor offers his perspective on navigating the pandemic, building resilience, and coming out of this even stronger. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Stewie Tune Show. These are insights and commentary on the music and musicians that shape our lives. And now, let's go back to class with your hosts, Tony Stewart and Aaron Badgley. Good evening, Mr. Badgley. How are you? I'm pretty good, Mr. Stewart. How are you, sir? Well, it was a very rainy, cold day in Ottawa here, so... I don't know what it's like in uh, Toronto. But. Well, it's rainy and windy, and uh, the trees outside just lost all their leaves today, so i got some raking to do. Yeah, I have <laughs> an unbelievable amount of raking to do. And, of course, you know, I'm still drying off. The, this is my dog's favorite weather, so, you know, rain or, rain or shine. She's out there when it's colder, so. The advantages of having a cat who doesn't go so we have a very special guest today. I'm looking forward to uh, this one. Our co-host is Trevor Finley. And Trevor Finley is an accomplished musician who's originally from Ottawa and uh, made the move down to Nashville. He heard the call to go down to Nashville and he went down in 2008 and he's been there ever since. And I uh, met Trevor uh, because I was on a high school band tour down in Nashville, and one of our parents, uh, Jane, Jane Gerard, I'll tell her so that uh, she gets this shout out. But Jane said to me, oh my gosh, Trevor Finley's playing over uh, at Legends Corner. So uh, sure enough, uh, uh, I went into Legends Corner and got introduced to Trevor, and um, that was about five years ago. But he's he's developing an amazing career down there, playing a ton of shows, and um, uh, we'll be talking about all that stuff, but uh, Trevor, man, welcome to the show. It's great welcome, to have you. Welcome. Thanks. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, no, it's a, we're, we're so glad you could make it. And um, so, you know, I, uh, I would love to spend some time uh, just talking about the Nashville music scene. And I mean, I'm talking pre-pandemic here, just for anybody who hasn't been down, because I, that was... I've been on a, in a lot of different cities, you know, with the high school kids, and uh, that's probably my favorite tour. Uh, it's just amazing down there. But uh, if you want to describe it, because you've lived there for a while, and well, it's it's music city, and in, in every sense of the word. So you know, pre-pandemic, uh, it's almost like the, there's a stretch of about four streets. Uh, mm-hmm. It's on Broadway, Lower Broadway is what it's called, and it's like there's a a music venue almost every twenty feet. Failing that, there's a band at the airport when you fly in. There's uh, bands at the hotels that you stay at. There's you know, like pretty much anywhere you can put uh, a band, you'll find one. And it's a it's a perfect place for somebody like me that this is I've I've eaten and breathed and uh, dreamt about music pretty much my entire life. So it's it's just home. And and it's unsafe to say it's not just country music, right? I mean, it's no. right. So. No, it's, nope. it's, uh, it's every style of music that you can possibly, you know, you can think of. And one of the, uh, I mean, even country music has changed 
So mm. now it's incorporating all sorts of different styles. Uh, I remember uh, back a, a bunch of years ago, I had coffee with a producer that uh, was very popular in the 80s. He retired in mid 90s. And then he started hearing what country music was doing and decided he was going to come back out of retirement because country music is doing now what he was doing back in the eighties. So <laughs> uh, the eighties were the best, man. That was when I was a teenager, you know? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, I still play a lot of those songs, you know, it's like whenever I'm playing on, on Broadway, because uh, it, it's, it's basically conducive to, uh, to playing covers. So it's four hour shifts and you have to play a lot of music in that time. So, yeah. Yeah. And um, Aaron, have you been to Nashville before? No, that you know, it's a funny story. I have two daughters who live in the United States, and we were planning on meeting up in Nashville in October, just past weekend. Obviously, we didn't go. Um, so hopefully, good Lord willing, and the creeks don't rise, I'll get there next year or the year after. But uh, I'm a music fanatic, and um, you know, everyone who loves music will say to me, "You know, Aaron, you got to go to Nashville because that's the as you call it, music city, right?" Yep. Yeah. It's uh, it's unbelievable, and as uh, you know, just as a tourist there, uh, like Trevor said, like every twenty feet, there's a music venue, yeah, like, <laughs> and um, and every venue has like kick ass bands in it. Like you, you know, it's it's unbelievable. And, What's great and, is that it keeps everybody humble, because oh, uh, sure, like if if you're sorry, am I allowed to swear on this? Sure, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, so if, if yes, yeah, <laughs> all right, good. So if you're an asshole. Uh, generally you don't get hired that often because, uh, you can't throw a rock without hitting somebody that's potentially better than you. So it yeah. keeps everybody humble and it, it makes everybody very approachable and it like at all levels of the game. Which Trevor, how yeah. did you, how were you received as a Canadian there? I mean, was that, did that, I mean, I think there's a lot of Canadians there, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It's uh, it, we're, we're all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> a lot of times like I, I'll, uh, you know, I'll run into fellow Canadians, uh, you know, walking to gigs because there's a lot of musicians down here doing the exact same thing I am. And uh, if I'm with any of my American friends, I'll make sure to point out like, oh, yeah, see that guy. He was at the last meeting. Oh, sorry. I shouldn't have told you that. You know, I just I I love messing with people. So now do you still have uh, (laughs) do you still maintain some semblance of a Canadian accent like in your American friends pick you out? Uh, Well, I'll tell you this. my Canadian family and, and uh, my Canadian friends will tell me that I sound American and all my American friends tell me I sound Canadian. So <laughs> my wife will point out the fact that if I, if any of my Canadian, uh, you know, pronunciations or uh, I'll still use uh, like the, the letter U in the word favor or color. Yes. <laughs> you know, good for you. Good. yeah. So, and it's uh and that gets pointed out. My wife will love it. If I, if I hit the, uh, the O sound, like if I do the uh, about instead of out, you know, it's just a matter. It's just a matter of how wide I open my mouth, and she'll be she'll be the first person to like snap her finger, and go see, see. So. <laughs> I, I I was my daughter who my daughter lived in Savannah, Georgia for four years, and she'd come back and she'd go, "Where's mom at?" I'm like, "Pardon?" Because <laughs> I never heard "Where's mom at?" Like. Uh, so I I was a bit taken aback by that. Do, do you, have you fallen into that trap, Trevor? The where so-and-so is at. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you this. I, uh, I used to make fun of people hard when, uh, <laughs> whenever they, they went somewhere for two weeks and uh, came back with an accent. 
And as a result, I've, it's been a very concerted effort to make sure that I, I don't develop a, any kind of drawl. It still pops out every once in a while, but yeah. it's not uh, as pronounced, I think, as, as it, what it could be, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> and it's just because like I, there's a, a friend of mine from the East Coast and uh, you know, he had a, a very thick Southern accent. It's like, what, what's the deal, man? Like, you sound like an idiot. <laughs> So, <laughs> so I know that karmically speaking, if I, uh, yeah, if I develop any kind of accent, it's going to come back. It's going to come back at me. I was going to ask you, uh, pre 2008. So before you, uh, moved to Nashville, you knew Rick Denis, correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And hello, Rick, Rick if you're listening. Oh, he'll be listening. Cause, uh, he writes all the music for this show. So, <laughs> so he's listening to make sure that you're using it. That's right. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but Rick's such a great guy. But he uh, yeah, and he knows actually that we're chatting tonight. So nice. He was. Uh, he wanted me to say hi too. Oh, perfect. So when you first, I'm really curious, you know, about the move uh, down. Okay. Uh, when in 2008, you know, what uh, was it? Just I've got to go there. You felt a calling to go to Nashville. Did you have a connection there, or did you just go and say I'm going to try this and? And well, see how it goes. You know, it sounds really weird to say, but uh, Nashville wasn't even on my radar. I knew I wanted to go somewhere. Um, I mean, Ottawa's great. It's uh, it's got a, a a great music scene, um, a lot of phenomenal musicians, and uh, it was a great place to grow up and and sort of cut my teeth. And um, you know, I figured if you wanted to, act like the next step, you'd have to move to New York or Los Angeles or uh, Vancouver or Toronto or you know, some, someplace like that. And, uh, I actually came to Nashville because somebody just off the cuff said, do you want to go? And I said, uh, sure. You know, I, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of adventure and, uh, doing things I've never done before. So, uh, came down to Nashville and, and no word of a lie. As soon as I got off the plane, I was the most at ease. I, I think that, I don't know if I've ever been, but I, I, I felt something, like it just felt really at, like I was at home, which sounds kind of, I don't know, cliche or trite or something, but it's, it's oh. true. Like it's uh, and the more people that I met, uh, I was getting a lot of great encouragement, a lot of great feedback. Um, I had a, a meeting with a publisher down here and uh, I played him some of my songs and I was already thinking about going back to Nashville, maybe in a few months after that or something like that. And he said, well, when are you planning on coming back? And I said, well, uh, I don't know, like maybe six months or something like that. He goes, no, you need to come back in a month. I'll see you in a month. I was oh. like, oh, okay. So I came back uh, to Nashville the following month. He had set up a bunch of writing appointments with uh, with other songwriters. And uh, we just I just spent the entire week writing. And it was at that point <laughs> that uh, I decided, you know, I think I, I want to move here. And then oh. the third time that I came back, uh, maybe a couple of months after that, uh, I was I was house hunting, and then the fourth time was the uh, when the paperwork was done and uh, the 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 U haul was packed and I was on my way. Excellent. Yeah. Um, one of one of my takeaways from Nashville because I we got to do a lot of stuff. I mean, uh, we you know we went to the Ryman of course and we went to the yeah. Opry, but uh, you were talking about humility and uh, even at places like the Ryman, you know, and and places like the Opry. Uh, what struck me about that city uh, was how everybody had a sense of, you know, how lucky they were, 
to be playing there. And, and it was amazing to see even established, uh, you know, country artists, let's say, who had been asked to play at the Opry for the first time and were like nervous teenagers up there, excited and saying hi to mom, you know, sitting in the front row. It was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's an so, amazing city. I have to ask you, Trevor, I mean, you mentioned earlier that you've grown up listening to music. What were you listening to? I mean, was it Nashville music or were you listening to something completely different? No, uh, country music wasn't even on my radar. And uh, for, for a lot of time, for, you know, it pretty much still isn't. But, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, my uh, my dad and my mom and dad were are, are, are really big music fans as well. Um, you know, they used to say they used to put me in front of the stereo and instead of in front of the TV when I was a baby. You know, and I, I was raised on the Rolling Stones and the Who and bands like that. And then, uh, you know, I... I I went through my uh, my hair metal phase, which is still there. You know, I'm still a really big fan of Iron Maiden and Motley Crue and <laughs> bands like nice. that. And uh, yeah, from there, it was just uh, I was I was drawn back to the style of the Stones and you know Stevie Ray Vaughan and Colin James and Jeff Healy. And uh, yeah, and then it was just a matter of like, okay, well, why do they play the way that they do? And then you know, I'm just yeah. I'm a big music nerd when it comes to stuff like that. So, excellent. Yeah, I'm. I'm always going to be as much a fan as I'll ever be a musician. Well, for sure, um, Aaron. This sounds like a great uh, spot to take our first break, and we're going to go to our music history moment, and we'll be right back with our guest co-host Trevor Finley. For today's music history moment, we're going back in time to 2007 an era when albums still sold in meaningful numbers. Taylor Swift released her self-titled debut album. She was 16 years old at the time of the album's release, and the record quickly shot to the top of the country albums chart for 24 weeks, selling over 7 million copies. Her debut album was also the longest charting record on the Billboard 200 of the 2000s decade. It remained on the charts for an incredible 277 weeks. And now let's get back to the show. And we're back with Trevor Findlay. Uh, Trevor, I um, was thinking, you know, Nashville, Music City, of all the places that would be really affected by a pandemic like this. I mean, Nashville's got to be one of the worst. You know, like New Orleans, I guess, would be another one uh, where that city is so dependent on the live music scene. And so... How's that been? Uh, I, has it been as devastating as it has been up here? Because I mean, the Ottawa scene for sure, and Toronto, it, it really uh, came to a grinding halt for a little while. You know? Yeah, it's still kind of uh, you know it's sputtering back to life now. Um, I will never forget the day that you know it, where it basically all shut down. Uh, I was on my way to uh, a gig at three o'clock in the afternoon on Monday, the twenty third of March, and uh, I had gotten to the club and as I was walking to the club, I heard people saying they just shut down Kid Rocks. Like Kid Rock has a, a big nightclub down there and they, uh, you know, they, they don't necessarily follow rules. <laughs> it's, it's a, you know, it's a place for, you know, good old boys and just shit kickers and you know, that kind of thing. But, um, I, and I knew that as soon as I heard that Kid Rocks is closed, like they, they were sort of like the last, they, they would have been the last one to go. So mm-hmm. and as soon as I heard that, it's like, oh, this gig isn't happening today. And then that was it. 
So I was off for, I think the next four, four months. Uh, it opened up again briefly at the end of June, uh, and then shut down on July 3rd, right before independence day. <laughs> <laughs> <Of course. laughs> yeah. And then it started, it's just started to come back again. So, uh, with very strict restrictions, um, on the reality side of things, uh, you know, like we, they're trying to do things right now, which is good. Um, yeah. There's uh, like the restrictions are uh, the venue can't be any more than 50% full. Everybody has to be seated. If you're not seated, you have to be wearing a mask. And that is just to get from the front door to the, to your seat. And then from your seat to the bathroom, you always have to have a mask on. Um, yeah. And it's, and no dancing, no like real going between tables and being sociable or anything like that. So it's, it's a, a bit of a strange thing at the moment. And, and your music would, I mean, I can't, and this is a compliment. Your music is not sit down, let's get the opera glasses out and listen to Trevor no. Finley, right? No, and, and in a way, uh, it's almost like, it's almost like I'm watching the rebirth of rock and roll. Like yeah. way back when, uh, you know, Elvis first started doing it or Chuck Berry's first started doing it. Like I remember seeing those black and white photos of, uh, you know, the kids in the theaters and there'd be police in the aisles to make sure that everybody just sat still and, you know, <laughs> tried to, you know, they, they couldn't get up, they couldn't move or anything like that because it would have led, led to worse things. And to me, that's pretty much what, uh, what it feels like. It's going back to that time a little bit. So let's um, uh, let's move on to the topic of resilience because that was one of the things you had mentioned that you'd like to talk about, and for sure for musicians who've been really affected by this, uh, you know, learning how to be resilient, learning to find other uh, revenue streams, um, you know, just learning to cope in general is really important. And uh, you know, I'll, I'll let you talk about that for a little while. Well, one of the things that I've said from the beginning, because I've, I've been trying to look at this in the most positive way possible, is that musicians, uh, you know, being a musician, uh, we live with rejection constantly. And all this is, is just another form of rejection. So there are people that are going to sink and there's going to be people that the people that are going to swim. And that's one of the things that I, I love about this is that musicians kind of embody uh, that sense of entrepreneurship, where if somebody says no, we're not just going to roll up into a ball. We're going to figure out another way to do it. And that's why, you know, Facebook Live has blown up. Uh, you know, Twitch has blown up. Uh, Periscope and uh, all the, uh, YouTube. And all, like there's so many streaming shows now that that's one way of doing it. I've got musician friends. Uh, I was having a uh, I was having lunch back a couple of weeks ago with a friend of mine that was saying that, you know, like, he knows of two people that have started their own bakeries, like their own uh, one person does cinnamon rolls and that's how they've been paying their bills is like, and he's a, he's a tour manager for some big band. I can't remember who exactly, but, uh, and that's how he's been doing his thing. And it's just, you know, you, you got to find a way and we always do like, we're, we're never going to just go away. The music, the music is never going to stop. And one thing I love about the live streams is that it's a very symbiotic relationship between musician and audience because personally speaking, I need that injection of adrenaline. I need to have that, uh, that feeling of being able to connect with people. And, you know, even though it's in a virtual way, I can't see them, but I can see what they're, they're writing as, mm -hmm. uh, as I'm going and I can, 
react in real time. And uh, I call I call the live stream gigs gigatine gum because <laughs> it's uh, it's it's not quite the real thing, and it keeps but it keeps the cravings away. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You uh, you did an excellent uh, post uh, last week where you showed the time lapse of all the setup for the live stream. That was fantastic because that is oh, a I, huge huge amount of work, eh? Like setting those things up and. Well, I turned my I turned my living room into a uh, into a full band rock show. Yeah. And it was just, uh, you know, so there was furniture that had to go, lights had to be set up, cables had to be run. And it was just, uh, it was a whole process. Plus that and the, you know, all the vacuuming and dusting and stuff like that that had to happen before. <laughs> and we have a dog that uh, we, we put all of her toys away. And you can, if you watch on the video, you'll see she'll go to where the toys are and she'll keep bringing them out. So, and she, like, <laughs> she has three bones. We put three bones away. She'll take three bones out. She won't chew them all. So just make sure that they're out where she wants them. So it's... Uh, it was it was fun. Yeah, a little extra bonus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I think one of the biggest controversies with the streaming is is some of the artists are saying, you know, we need to charge for this because, I mean, look, if I go to if I go to a club, I'm paying a ticket to get in, or I'm paying a fee or a cover charge, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, as a music fan, believe in supporting artists. So of course, you know, the tip jar, the virtual tip jar, the uh, I don't have a problem paying. Uh, I know I've, I've paid for a few shows um, and quite enjoyed them, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, in, in, uh, I, I can only speak for myself, but personally, I, I like the concept of uh, giving people the option where tip I'll jar, have it, yeah. I'll have a tip jar out, but I, I don't want to start telling, selling tickets necessarily just because like everybody's in the exact same boat that I am. Mm-hmm. And if, uh, you know, if I'm having problems putting gas in my car, I'm sure everybody else is too. So I'd rather just sort of have it there and, you know, I, but I'd rather people enjoy it and just watch it. And excellent. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, <laughs> I mean, if I was in this for the money, I wouldn't be doing this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I think uh, in terms of uh, resilience, like that's the best thing you can do is just keep busy and uh, keep at it. You know, if you love your craft, you, you do what you got to do. And, and well, I just uh, said, if, it, if it's in you, then nothing is going to stop you. Right. And that's just it. Yeah. And it's, and that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's the way I feel. Well, and there's going to be some big takeaways too, you know, all uh, learning about all the tech and how to do that stuff. That's stuff that'll, uh, you'll definitely use when that, when this thing's over, it's fantastic in that way. Well, that's, that's one of the things that I've been doing to occupy my time since I've had so much downtime as I've actually taught myself had a lot more about streaming. And, uh, I've actually just recently updated my, uh, my streaming game. So oh. I'm now using a, a black magic ATEM, uh, switcher, which is like a four camera switcher that I use GoPros and it's about setting them up and making sure it's like lit. Okay. And, and, uh, on the full band stream that, uh, you, you saw that, that really quick time-lapse video for, uh, my wife was actually the one that was pushing the buttons to change the cameras. So it was, uh, it was all in-house. It was fun. Um, Aaron, do you have anything else before we go to break again? Well, I was just thinking the takeaway too. I mean, you said, you know, it's, it's an excellent way for musicians such as yourself, Trevor, to communicate directly with your fans. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I, as a fan, I've never felt, you know, I, I've been getting great response from artists who are performing uh, on the streams, the comments you said, you know, and sharing the music. I think that's the other piece too, is that it's much easier now to invite people. I've been watching some streams and then I'll invite people and say, Hey, Come and look, you got to see this guy. He's great. You know? Yeah. It happens instantly. And that's what you hope for too. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. It's like, you can take, 
you know, you could be at a club and watching a band and take video on your phone. And then you have to post that to Facebook yeah. and hopefully people see it. Whereas now it's like, you know what? I'm watching this band right now. Hit, and then you hit send. And like we said, like what you said, it's, it's instantaneous. It's a yeah. beautiful thing. Yeah. It's a pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, well, this, this looks like a great spot for us to take our uh, second break. And we're going to do a segment called you say it's your birthday. And then we'll be right back. First up, we've got Bill Wyman, bassist for the Rolling Stones, who was born in 1936. Before he left the Stones in 1993, he had over 30 singles in the UK and US Top 40 charts. Next up, 1946 saw the arrival in Oshawa, Ontario of Jerry Edmonton from Steppenwolf. Jerry sadly died in a car crash in November of 1993. And finally, a little more Canadian content as Aubrey Drake Graham, better known by his stage name, Drake, was born in 1986. Let's get back to the show. And we're back into the home stretch here and uh, with Trevor Finley. Trevor, uh, so we've talked about what Nashville was like uh, pre-pandemic and we've talked about uh, what it's like during the pandemic and uh, what musicians can do in terms of resilience. But now I'm really curious uh, to find out, you know, what your future plans are or your hopes uh, for the future are, if you have anything exciting planned that you're, you know, just can't wait till the pandemic's uh, over because you've got maybe something special planned. Uh, Yeah. So I just wouldn't mind hearing about that. Well, honestly, I'm looking forward to uh, getting back up to Canada to visit my family. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not sure exactly when that's going to happen, but hopefully sooner than later. Um, in the short term, uh, basically, it's just going to be uh, I'm going to continue on. Like I, I, I'm one thing I, I have a tendency of doing is I'll keep my head down and I'll just keep powering forward. So and again, if, if there's something in my way, then I'll just move to the left or I move to the right, go around whatever it is that's blocking me, continue on. Like that's how I ended up doing the, the live streaming stuff on a regular basis. That's how um you know, I just keep adding stuff to my, my resume, <laughs> even when this is happening. So it's kind of fun. Um, so I'm in the process of doing, uh, I'm actually doing a voiceover for an audiobook. Uh, I'm going to be uh, doing demos for some songwriter friends of mine that uh, they want to have like more of a full sounding, uh, full band demo. Um, I still do, uh, I do a live stream every Monday at uh, five o'clock Eastern. Uh, called Monday Fun Day, and that's on my Facebook page, which is uh, Trevor Finley Rocks. So it's uh, facebook.com front slash Trevor Finley Rocks. And wow, I'm looking forward to getting back into the studio. Hopefully I'm going to do some more of these uh, full band live streams and because I get to hang out and play with some pretty spectacular people. I look forward to getting back and playing full band shows with my friends again. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's all sorts of stuff. And it's pretty neat, you know, the first, uh, after the shutdown, the first rehearsal that Rick and I had, after, you know, uh, when we were able to get together and play, did that ever feel cool? Like it's, yeah. it, you just realize how much you miss that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like, exactly. Do you think the, the pandemic and what you've been going through for the past six months or whatever is going to also come out through your music? In other words, do you feel that some of like that's, you know, been a, not an inspiration, but certainly impacting on you, your writing? Um. I know that there's been, uh, I've been hearing a lot of songs that are about isolation and quarantining Mm. and, and doing stuff that, you know, doing stuff, uh, in the time that you have. And, uh, personally, 
I think that's going to be a subject I'm probably going to try and stay away from. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like I, I, I try not to write songs with the word truck in it. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a feeling that I'll add quarantine oh, to that man. list, you know. <laughs> Easy to rhyme though. It's a great word to rhyme with. That's right. But truck, no, yeah. no, yeah. no trucks, no dogs. <laughs> uh, and you also uh have started getting into producing a little bit, haven't you? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. I'm I'm dipping my toe in. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. Th- that's a whole other ball game, isn't it? Well, it's uh it's uh, it's it's really interesting to try and figure out how to. I've worked with some with some uh, great producers over the years, and I've tried to pick something up from each of them. And one of the things I learned on my last experience was to, uh, you know, treat each song as its own island. Like while you're there, you basically just focus on the song, and you know, just uh, try and focus on it that way. Like if you're doing a full record, it's just one song at a time. And then hopefully at the end of it, there's going to be that that uh, theme. There's going to be a theme. There's going to be something that connects uh, all the songs together. And uh, I think, yeah, so far it's been a uh, it's been a really rewarding experience. And I hope to continue. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. And you and you've opened for a lot of people. Um, I, I was looking at the list, but uh, James Brown. Yeah, that, that's, that's cool. when when was that? That was uh, when I was still living in Ottawa. So that would have been early 2000, somewhere between 2000, 2005, I guess. And uh, <laughs> talk about your experiences you'll never forget. So it was at the Ottawa Blues Fest. And he, like, we showed up for, for sound check. We showed up early just because we just wanted to be around. And, you know, back then we were given a trailer with my name on it. It was just a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he was just wandering around. Like he was backstage the entire time. He did his own sound check. He was walking around with pink curlers in his hair. <laughs> and uh, one of my bandmates was actually, <laughs> he was uh, he was standing in line to use one of the Porta Johns. It turns around and sees it's him. It's like, um, sorry, Mr. Brown, would you like, please go ahead of me? And anyways, it was just, uh, it was kind of crazy. And I was just way too shy to talk to him the entire day until one of the organizers came up and said, hey, do you, do you want to meet him? Cause I, I was sitting on my trailer steps and just kind of looking over and he was, he was sitting on his trailer steps, having a cigarette. And one of the organizers came by and saw me just kind of sheepishly looking over and she says, do you want to meet him? I said, yes. Yes. I would love to meet him. Absolutely. And uh, she took me over and said, excuse me, Mr. Brown, but this is Trevor and he's going to be opening the show. And he shook my hand and he said, Oh, God bless you, man. God bless you. And the oh, only thing God. that came out of my mouth was, no, God bless you, Mr. Brown. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I went on stage that day knowing that I was just blessed by the godfather of soul. Like, it was just uh, amazing. Yes, that's incredible. Nice. Right? Nice. Yes. That's a great yeah. story. Blessing by the godfather. I love hearing stories like that. That's totally awesome. That's yeah, uh, some of my favorites. And just, uh, I, I, I collect... The other thing I like to do is I like to collect uh, awkward moments with celebrities too. And I, what's your, what's your most awkward one? What's my most awkward? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I don't want to name any names. Oh, uh, okay. But I'll tell you the story. So there was a guy. Uh, he was playing. Uh, I used to play with Tiffany. And, oh, uh, really? Yep. Yeah, from the eighties. I was yeah, with yeah, her sure. for I was with her for eight years. Really? And yep. And. Uh, Anyways, we, we did one of these package shows. Like it was just like, you know, somebody's eighties fever dream. 
where it's just like a lot of people that you could think of was on this on this bill. And uh, yeah, so uh, I knew one of the guys that was playing one of the headliners because, you know, he was uh, he lived right next door to a good friend of mine. So I think, OK, well, that's my in. Like, that's what we're going to talk about. So I went up and I said, hey, man, you know, I, uh, I'm really good friends with Pat. You know, he used to live next door to you and you like, you used to be working in a studio all the time. And he goes, uh-huh. And, <laughs> and I just said, uh, uh, okay. All right. Shut down. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's, I guess we're done. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's awkward. Yeah. No, just, uh, just a little, yeah, like it, it just shut the conversation down. I had nowhere to go from there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and well, and you know what? Uh, speaking of done, um, we are uh, done uh, done the interview portion of the evening, Trevor. So You're I, just I done with me. Wait, no, uh, we're no. never done. We'd love to hear more stories. <laughs> no, Trevor, we'd love to, but we're uh, we're just thanking Aaron and I are thanking the Zoom gods and the Zencaster gods that everything yeah. has worked tonight yeah, because. Very cool. uh, but uh, it has been really awesome to have you on the show, and I am so uh, grateful that you came on and spent some time with us. It's very nice to meet you, Trevor. Likewise, sure. and I'll, I'll tell you, when you do come to Nashville, make sure you hit me up. Oh, oh I for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I, at the very least, I'll be able to point you in good directions to go. So some restaurants, the, and some good record stores. We got a few of those. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Aaron, you're going to love it. It is uh, the most fantastic city. It's incredible. Oh, I can't wait to go. Yeah. yeah, and and that like the hockey arena, you know, you can walk from from the hockey arena and go right down to where all the uh, venues are. Like it's amazing. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. All right, so it is time to figure out how this episode is going to tie into the Beatles because it's our six degrees of Beatlemania segment. So Aaron will cue up the uh, music, and then how are we going to tie this into the Beatles? So here we go. Well, Tony, here's the thing. Ringo Starr was the second rock musician to record in Nashville in 1970, first being Bob Dylan, although you could argue Bob was more of a folk artist. Ringo Starr met Pete Drake, who played slide guitar while he was recording with George Harrison on All Things Must Pass. And uh, Ringo said, you know, I've always wanted to record in Nashville. Drake said, you give me five days, you'll have an album. He went to Nashville five days, recorded the album Buku of Blues. So Ringo, ahead of the Eagles, ahead of everyone else, was doing that country rock thing in 1970. There you go. Oh, there you go. There's our <laughs> six cool. degrees of Beatlemania. <laughs> and uh, folks, we'd like to thank you for listening today. Uh, as always, uh, please remember to subscribe uh, so that you get uh, the updates when a new episode comes out. And uh, Aaron and Trevor, uh, been fantastic chatting with you tonight. So until we are together again... Stay safe, be well, and see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Stewie Tunes Show. Follow us on social media or visit us online at stewietunes.com. And if you're enjoying the show, don't forget to click subscribe.